everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Dada how everyone. So let's start by doing a quick introduction. Well, not an introduction, sorry. A quick recap on how your week's been. How's your week been, Cheryl? My week's been great. I have had some time at home. Last week I got COVID. That's why I was choking and coughing up a lung when I was doing the podcast. But you, you didn't realize you had COVID when you were here, yes. though. So that, the, the moment I knew, I was like, everybody, I've got COVID. I did the isolation at home and then I tested negative, went back to work, of course. Yes, because you thought you had allergies and I gave you some allergy medicine, didn't yes. I? Yeah. And how's your week been? Um, yeah, it's okay. I took Tuesday off work because I had a really bad tension headache. And then I also had to go and get a sonogram. And I found out what I'm having by accident. Mm. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to know or if I wanted to do like a reveal or, you know, be with Colin at the time. Mm. But Colin had COVID, so he couldn't come with me. And when they were doing the sonogram, the doctor was like, oh, these are his feet. But in Taiwan, a lot of people get him and her, his, yes. her, she, he mixed up because they just say ta, right? And ta is he or she. So I thought, oh, maybe she's just like got the pronouns mixed up. Yes. And then she went, do you want to know the sex? And I was like, I think I already know. <laughs> and she was like, oh, how? Like she thought I could read the sonogram or something. And I was like, no, um, you just said his feet. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, so I'm having a boy then? She was like, yeah, you're having a boy. And I was like, okay. So I told my family, I told his family. I don't know why. I feel like people are disappointed I'm having a boy. No, I am very happy for you. I'm I, so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I was shocked. I thought I was going to have a girl. You know, yeah. you get it in your head. So I was thinking of girls' names. I didn't care which. I didn't, it wasn't bother. It doesn't bother me. I just care about healthy. But it was in my head that I was having a girl. Because the heart rate's been faster. And they say girls' heart rates are faster. Yeah. But do you know what? I'm still intrigued to go back and double check if I'm having a boy or a girl. No. Because she guessed pretty quick. She looked pretty quick. I don't know. if I knew from like nine, ten weeks from the blood test. And the but whole time. But mine wasn't a blood test. Mine I was a sonogram. I kept thinking it would be different when they would like scan my stomach. And I'd be like, do you know what you're having? Yeah, it's a girl. Are you? And then I'd be like, no it's a boy and they're like no no it's a girl i'm like oh yeah because they showed me her private area and it looked like two balls to me it looked like balls and a penis and then i was like oh, i'm having a boy he's like no 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 those are the two buns and i'm like oh my gosh uh, i'm not gonna be a good doctor because no. even now i still have that and i still look at it i mean it you're thinking, not planning on being a doctor are you no. you just said it like i'm not gonna be a good doctor like that's no, no, your no, end no, goal <laughs> <laughs> no. okay so um i also I have a question that I want to ask you because I don't know why I've just been thinking about it and I've been seeing a lot of pictures mm. and I, I want to know what happens to your belly button. My belly button looked normal. The whole time? The whole time. It didn't I go had, out? No, I had no issues. It didn't go flat? No. Nothing? I had a normal belly button. And even after pregnancy? Yeah. See? My belly looks the same before and after. I just have more fat on my belly now. Like <laughs> yeah. more, more, more layers. So you can have two types of belly buttons here, it says. Like, you can have the belly button that pops out, and you can also have a belly button that goes flat. What do you mean flat? It goes completely flat. But does it still have a hole? No. no. It completely goes out and then flat. Yeah, um, look, let me, oh, I'll show you. That is so weird. Yes. Okay. Google it. Okay. Flat, no, pregnant, no, I, I, oh. I'm trying to look at my picture, because I have a lot of, you know, yeah, no, naked pictures like of myself. Yeah, no, there's like a flat pregnant 
belly button. Everyone Google it. Honestly, it's a thing. It can go, it can go completely flat. So look. It's weird, right? So it says here, sometimes during pregnancy, your pregnant belly button will stick out. Even if you've been an innie all of your life, during pregnancy, the expansion of your abdomen can cause you to be an outie or your belly button goes flat. Another variation of belly button changes is that your belly button can go flat as your stomach expands with the baby. You may notice that your belly button becomes flat and taut against your skin. Okay, so maybe I think my belly looked a lot like... A flat, more flat. More flat, but not like that flat. My belly button looked like a little belly button. It's like there's not even a hole there. Um, And then... And then some, yeah, no, yours just looks normal. Normal belly button. Yeah. So <laughs> then some women say that it can be a bit painful. Yes. Um, some women do feel pain in the area of their navel, although there is no medical consensus on why some pregnant women have painful navels. Some believe it's because the belly button is located in the thinnest part of the abdomen wall. So here's why I'm slightly more concerned is because I had an eptopic pregnancy and they went through my belly button. So I had a, I have a small scar like at the top of my belly button, you can't see it. And then a little dot here where they went in two areas and then they went in here and I have a little dot there. You can't see them anymore. But after I came out of surgery, my belly button it was smaller. So they had to reduce the size of my belly button. So now I was quite happy about it because it was like quite a nice little belly button. But I can't put my finger in my belly button. Oh no. Okay, that's weird. Right? I can see. So mine's gonna stretch and I think it's gonna hurt a bit because it's it's really small now. Well, I do def- we have a woman at work who's pregnant now and I definitely uh-huh. think she's got an outie. Like an outie. I can see it through her clothes, it's like sticking out. So yes. maybe you might have that too. Or it's going to go flat or it's going to hurt. Anyway, I just wanted to know what your belly button was like. because mine mine was normal. That's why I kept looking at everyone else. But I did get this line. You know the line? There's a line. Oh, yes. Some people don't get it. Mm -hmm. I had that. I had a person ask me, like, what's that line going down your stomach? I'm like, "Um, I don't know. I think it's normal. Yeah, a lot of women do get it. um, And their belly button can go brown. It's called the linear nigra. Yes. Yes, and it can cause your belly button to go brown, and it's a brown line, and it's because your body is producing more melatonin when you're pregnant. So you've got more melatonin being produced in your in your system, and it can also cause brown spots on your skin, uh, things like that. So it should fade after you give birth because you're reduce, reducing the melanoma. So yeah. it will, it, and has it faded? You don't have it now? No, I don't have it now. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, and I didn't have it that bad. Like I just but, had it going down like on the top of my belly, and then at yeah. the bottom I didn't have it. But your nipples also went really dark, didn't yes. they? So women whose nipples go really dark, they also get the linear I, that's how i knew i was pregnant is because my nipples went dark before anything i'm like whoa my nipples haven't gone dark but i get dry skin on them and have to like peel the skin off it's really so gross weird. i wonder if that's normal did you look that up no no but now no. you're freaking me out anyway no, no it's so, normal a lot of things are normal it's just i just wanted to know like why no it's not i don't <laughs> think it is so um i think it's lack of washing anyway <laughs> the thought of a shower makes me feel sick so um, parenting. We're going to be talking about different styles of parenting this week. And I know that this is such an interesting topic for us. 
because we talk about it all the time, right? Because yes. we know so many different types of people who are parents and it's so interesting to watch how they choose to parent yes. and how you might choose to parent or how I think I'm gonna parent. So one of the things I wanted to talk about because I spoke to my friend from England yesterday on the phone and she was telling me that her brother, um, they, they were concerned that their child may have autism because she doesn't give eye contact and she doesn't speak and she's nearly three. And oh. yeah, so um, they took her to a specialist and they said to her, you're just eight, she's 18 months behind. Oh, okay. Right? That's so um, th- there didn't look like any symptoms of autism. She was just 18 months behind. And then my friend was telling me that he is someone that does everything for his child. If yes, his child yeah. asks, he'll do it. If he, if his child, like, she doesn't like anyone picking her up or looking at her if Mark's in the room. Yeah. I shouldn't say his name. Maybe we have to bl- bloop that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if he's in the room. Yes. Um, if he's not in the room, she's, she'll look at people, she'll let them pick them up. But as soon as he walks in, she, she like, turns into a baby. So um, we have this girl who lives on the 18th floor on mm-hmm. our and she is 18 months older than kira and mm-hmm. her f- parents not her parents her grandparents look after her and they were like oh your child is walking at eight months and i'm like it's too early um but you know children are different and they were asking what i did and i looked at their child and she will walk unless when you're holding your hand but she will not walk and like if she's by herself she will rather push something or have someone holding her hand mm-hmm. and she was two almost two at that time and i just said to them i think it's because you guys always holding her like yeah i was like if you just let her do it on her own she she seems to be okay to walk it looks like she's normal it's not like she's got problems because they were asking me like oh well, how did you get your child to walk on their own and i'm mm-hmm. like no nah, she just walks like mm. so i do think most of the time it could be also the parents it definitely and this is the thing we, we live in a society where you're not allowed to comment on the way other people parent it's rude right mm. and people just don't they're like oh but that's how they choose to parent so i'm not going to say anything about it but if it's affecting the child and this is coming from a mother a teacher and a teacher expecting to be right i've taught kids now for over 10 years and i can tell you i can see the difference in the children that are being brought up by grandparents and the children that are being brought up by parents in asia because in asia if the grandparents raise the children they spoil them and then their motor skills are affected their cognitive development is affected you can see the difference and they call that learned helplessness so i did some research on it and um, it's also because of parental pressure. So rather than encouragement, they have a profound effect on the child's mental health and self-esteem. Kids who grow up with excessive parental pressure may experience depression, negative self-talk. So with helpless, uh, with learned helplessness, it's when you do too much for your kids. When we over-function for them, we rob them of their skills and practice necessary to develop competence and mastery in life. Instead of learning life skills, they develop a problem that psychologists refer to as learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's really hard for parents to let go and let your child be independent. You know, and it's... It's it's true. It's always the parent's issue. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Your child is perfectly fine. I always say this to other 
mommies when we're talking about things like it it's actually the parents issue that they have and they put it on their kids yeah because they they when maybe that when they were growing up it, they didn't have this you know support and so they like okay i need to do it or they think that their partner can't do it and they overcompensate for yes. it and yeah and and they're scared to yeah. let go of the control so here are some examples so i want you to listen mm. and apply it to your child and see if you think you can relate to it or at home if you can relate to it then maybe you you are you know an over over the top parents yeah. so your toddler knows how to tie his or her shoes but you tie them for them anyway because it's faster mm. would you do that no no yeah because with us we've always done things where we want her to do it herself. I have, um, <clears throat> okay, yes. I have uh, put her socks on for her because I was just like, we don't have time for you to put on your socks by yourself. Mm. But she mm. will say to me, like, I said no. And she'll, like, grab it from me. Um, but most of the time, every time, we, every step we've done, eating, she, we've never fed her. Yeah. So now she's gone to kindergarten and she sees the teacher feeding other kids and she will say to me, like, mommy, I want you to feed me tonight. And I'm like, no. Yeah. You feed yourself. Okay. You run, Would you run back to school when your forgetful 13-year-old forgets his or her homework again? No. No. Yeah. Your teen leaves... <laughs> their, so mean. Yeah. Your teen leaves their dirty clothes all over the house. Instead of getting into another argument about it, you do it for him or her. It's easier that way. And so, no. The problem is, um, I feel like that's just enabling them. Mm-hmm. But oh, mum will do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they grew up. Okay, so I feel like I was like that. I didn't have, my mom didn't pick up after me. But we did have, growing up, we had people at the house constantly. And so every time I'd leave a glass anywhere or whatever, it it would just be gone. You know, I wouldn't even remember to, like, put it back. So when I became an adult, moved out, it was really difficult for me to learn how to do all these things on my own. Right. Because I was so accustomed to what I grew up with. My yeah. brother's kids and my brother's family still have all the help. It's Since I've moved out, it's been a big adjustment. And I just think if you teach kids from a young age, it won't be such a shock. Yeah. Because it re- really was. My husband and I used to fight over this because I would just like leave my coffee cups. Like I'd make coffee in the morning, use a new cup every time. Do you know what? Colin gets really annoyed at me for that. And I do do that. I've and my mum, if you ever that. stop at my mum's house, you put a cup down, it's gone within two yes. seconds. and Because so, she cleans everything. And it's not something, I don't know, it, it, like I want to be like, it's not because I was spoiled, it's because it was just done. Like yeah. something in the, yeah. it's just a rule that we had, like if we had a cup, they'd just come and like remove it. I feel it. like I've just had an epiphany. Yeah. I feel like now I can tell him, well, it's my mum's fault. So if you're annoyed this cup's here, <laughs> you, you blame my mum. Yeah. Okay. If your daughter had ADHD and is having problems completing science project, you can't. she can't seem to focus and complains that it's boring and too difficult. After she goes to sleep, you finish it for her. After all, you don't want her to fail. No. Why? Because in life, you're not going to have mum always there. Failure's part of life. It's yeah. just when you go to work, this is you Please are. Be louder. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're watching our sound because again we're we're still adapting to making sure our sound and cameras and everything is getting I'm better. That I- 
Okay, we just took a little break just to check the sound. Um, yes, I need to speak a bit louder. Yes, you do. I'm too loud. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so if you are someone at, at home and you know you've been doing this for your child and then you're thinking, okay, maybe they're not as developed as they should be, um, stop. Ask yourself these questions. This is what, what I found out. Does this belong to my child or me? Mm. Right? Am I doing this to reduce my anxiety and calm myself down? Is this my responsibility? Am I doing this because it's in my best interest or their best interest? Am I in my child's box? So think about that. Like sometimes we have to do things that are in our best interest. That's life, right? Yeah. Sometimes, but not all the time. If 70 to 80%, you're giving your child the opportunity to be independent and to learn and to do it themselves, then fine. The 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 other 20 or 30% is fine because that's life and life is, you know, not convenient, right? But what I worry about is the parents who make the excuse, but it's not safe. Yeah, I don't you like know? that. It really bothers yeah. me. Um, because I just feel that you're just setting your kid up for failure. Mm -hmm. And then when your child fails, you don't understand why they're failing. Yeah. But because you were too much as a parent. Um, I don't, I, I, like, I do believe in helping your kids. I think we need to build a foundation for your children to be able to be successful. And if they do fail, they can actually deal with the failure. Yeah. Because most people don't know how, like... As an adult me, I don't know how to deal with when I fail. Like, yeah. it really bothers me. I don't understand why I can't get something right the first time. And it took me a long time to just realize, you know, it's life. We have to just move on. It, it, it's knowing when to stop for yourself. Yeah. And when to stop for someone else. Like, it's it's knowing. A lot of people, you know, it's like when people are depressed as well, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever found this. If someone is going through depression, they tend to say oh yeah, but that doesn't work for me. Oh, but this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Nothing seems to work for them. And I get that that's a condition and that that's how the circle feels. But when there is a solution, sometimes they don't want the solution. Yeah. And I feel like that with over overbearing parents, there's a solution, here's the help. You're not helping your child, but then they will find excuses, yes. you know? So how yeah. to stop doing too much for your child? Just do one thing differently at first. Play a different role than the typical one that you've played. Be responsible, but don't rescue. And that's a big one, isn't it? The, the parents that seem to think that they're rescuing all the time. Yes. I'm and rescuing my child. I need to be there. I need the, to be by my child's side so they know I'm there for them. I'm just mm -hmm. like, it's so many parents, I have to be honest, like we did sleep training. We're really successful with that. Yeah. I had so many parents like, well, how, how, how did you do it? I want it. I need my love life back and my husband and all these things. And, you know, so many other um, underlining things that they want back. And then when you tell them this is what you need to do, they're like, oh, no, I can't do that. My child will think that I've abandoned them. My child is unsafe. I'm like, no, you make sure that the room is safe. You make sure that the environment you're doing in in is safe mm -hmm. and just do it follow through most parents don't follow through and that's the problem you confuse the child and the child knows like yeah. if you if they cry they test boundaries right kira used to cry and be very dramatic and then she'd sit and wait we could see her on the camera like looking around like is anyone gonna come and she was fine yeah and so you teach them the boundary between 
you know, if they fall off the bed, hit their head, you're going to go in there. You, that's just how it is. And you'll comfort them. But if they're just lying on the bed or on the edge, like testing it, like, I'm going to fall, and then you don't go in, they know what they're doing. And, yeah. And that's the thing with some parents that I just, I told Alec, you can only give them so much advice, but if they're going to not do it, no, you can't help them. No. And then they wonder why their child's behind, mm. you know. Or not even behind, just wonder why they can't get their child to... To sleep alone, you know. There's mm-hmm. so many things that go with not even sleeping, just like being independent, having your child be a well-rounded person. You know, and I'm not saying mm. that you're not making a well-rounded person. What I'm saying is children are shy. Parents are going to be like, I don't know why my child is shy. I'm very outgoing. I'm like, it's because of you. You're very yeah. much like you overpower your child's personality because as soon as you walk in, you're like, oh, no, no, she's shy. Before she's even been able to do anything, you know, like yeah. get to know the environment. Of course, you get kids that or they're, not, they're introverts. So as I said, they're introverts and you want someone to be confident. They can't be confident without you allowing them just to be themselves. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, find yeah, a lot yeah. of parents always have to step in and they always, before the child's even made a mistake or done anything, they're like, oh, no, no, no. They're preempting. They're preempting what might happen and they're trying to prevent. And it does say here, when your child comes to you with a problem, be a listener. Don't jump in and fix things. You know? So I think it's really interesting for parents to to listen to this. Um, Another thing that you're going to know about that's going to be, you know, I think every parent knows about is the pushback. So when you do start doing these things, if you have noticed that maybe you have, you know, been enabling learned helplessness and you want to take, you know, you want to, your child to take some control back, um, what pushback can you expect? And it says here, your child might act sick. Yes. Pretend that they're sick. They might whine or argue with you more. And then if your child's sick, you're then going to go back to that whole, like, parent guilt and be like, oh, well, my child's sick, so we'll try this another time. Oh, they're sick. Then they learn that, right? They may even act more helpless at first. And then they will undoubtedly try to make you feel guilty. Mm. So, you know, but I can't put my shoes on. I don't know how to do it. You know, but I don't feel well. I can't put my shoes on because I feel sick. Um, I see this a lot with eating. Like, when you first... Get your child to eat solids. I have so many parents that are like, oh my goodness, my child gags. And I'm like, it's not so normal. It's a normal thing. They gag. It's different yeah. things. They're like, no, 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 I can't. And the child sees your reaction to them gagging and they automatically think it's a bad thing. And they will they will know that mom will or, or dad will always stop me from eating certain things because they don't want to deal with the gag. I had a child do that to me at school. Um, and he really struggled with eating and his mum used to put an iPad in front of him and feed him because he just wouldn't eat and then he would come to school and I'd have to feed like I wouldn't feed him he'd be with all of it, all the kids and he was only like four and he'd sit there and he'd put the roti in his mouth and he'd go like this and I was like I don't know what you're doing but I don't care <laughs> you're like thank you yeah eat your you food can, you can carry on doing that just eat it and he looked so shocked yeah. Like, oh, and then he'd eat a bit and then he would and do it again. And I was just like, 
I'm not going to say his name. I was like, so-and-so, I don't care. You've got food. You need to finish your lunch. Mm. And then eventually he'd give up gagging in front of me and then he'd just eat it. And he'd be like, I'm finished. And he was actually really proud that he was finished. So it just shows Mm -hmm. you children, they are manipulative and they know what they're doing and they know that their parents will always be on their side. And I just want to bring this in. And this is why people confuse it with gentle parenting Mm -hmm. because they think parents that are like this... This is why they give gentle parenting a bad name. It's because they think, oh, this is what gentle parenting is about. It's not. No. Okay? Gentle parenting, you still... They're like, oh, you don't say no to your child. It's not about... It is about saying no. You say no. We always say no. I believe in gentle parenting. I'm not saying it's the best way to be a parent. I struggle too. My child throws tantrums and she speaks back. And you know what? Sometimes I do think maybe I need to give you a good smack and then you won't do that to me. But this is why I feel people get confused between the two things. You you can say no. You say no when something is dangerous. No Mm -hmm. is a good word. What I'm saying is I don't like hearing people be like, you can't do that because I said so. Right. As an adult, when someone tells you not to do something, if I said to you, I, because I said so, you're not going to be like, okay, yeah. I won't do it anymore. No. You need to have a valid reason. Mm-hmm. The reason why gentle parenting is good is because you and your child, there is empathy, there is understanding, and there's respect. Yeah. Between you and your child, okay? When it is to do with, I don't know, when it's, you know, normal parenting or old parenting traditional parenting it's to do with ridicule belittling and shaming Mm -hmm. and i don't like that because you know people didn't know better back then now you don't need to shame them if they've peed the floor you don't need to shout and scream you can say it's okay let's clean it up when you need to pee next time you let mommy or daddy know we'll take you to the bathroom yeah do you know that we did that with kira and it was so different to we made mistakes. Alec once got upset and he did shout at her. And I also got upset once because she pooed in her panties and yeah. didn't tell us. And I was just like, why would you do that? And I looked at her and I could see on her face how it's really traumatizing. You've just pooed yourself and then you have your mom screaming in your face saying, why are you doing this? And I realized I need to take a step back. Yes, I- because it's going to make you, her or anyone, any child feel bad for making a mistake. Yes. Feel embarrassed for making a mistake. So I took a step back and I said to her, I'm sorry I yelled at you. Mommy is actually not in a good mood today. And I took it out on you. I said to her, next time you need to poo. You let me know. Like this, today she made a poo here. She was like, can I please have a diaper? I don't want to poo in the bathroom. She's scared of the toilet mm-hmm. and she can't poo for some reason, sitting down. Right. That's another topic. And so I just think when I see people like, oh, this is why I don't like gentle parenting. I'm just like, you guys haven't done your research. Yeah. Gentle parenting is not a pushover. We are not supposed to be passive. There is an understanding. You don't give your child options. Okay? When you are saying to a child, oh, later on, after you watch TV, can we go to the park? No, we don't say, can we go to the park? You say, later on, you have five minutes left, we will go to the park. You don't I think give them that's an what option. everyone thinks gentle parenting is, is asking for your child permission to no, do everything. you don't ask for permission. You give them options, and they only have those options to choose from. Mm. If they are throwing a tantrum, 
I was trying to explain this to someone the other day. They're throwing a tantrum. They're past the point of listening. You cannot go and be like, I'm going to smack you now and uh, give you a hiding and then they'll stop. No, you you give them a smack and it makes it worse because they're now in in fleeting mode. They want to run away. They want to scream more. It, it makes you look bad as a parent when you're doing this in, in public and it makes your child look like a terrible kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really do like think that because of you know um the behaviors that they learn automatically they always blame it on gentle parenting i'm not saying that we need to do gentle parenting i don't only do gentle parenting i also do sometimes you know lose my temper and you know give like yesterday my daughter smacked me and scratched me so i gave her a smack on the bottom and then asked her does she like that feeling and she said no and i was like so why did you do that to me Mm -hmm. and she was like really shocked like Mommy, I did it by mistake. I, I don't know why. And I realized, you know, we all impulsive. Children are impulsive. They can't control their emotions. But the moment you show them that it's okay to scream and shout, they might not scream and shout at you, but they might go to school and do it to someone else. Yeah. I, I have to be honest. I, I did think that stereotype of gentle parenting. Yeah. I did think it was the don't say no and ask for permission all the time. But here it says gentle parenting is an evidence-based approach to raising happy, confident children. This parenting style is composed of four main element, elements. And those elements are empathy, respect, understanding, and boundaries. And that's a key word there, boundaries. If you're just allowing your child to make all the choices and you're saying that, well, they don't feel like they want to do this today, so they don't have to do this today, that's not creating boundaries. And focuses on fostering the qualities you want in your child by being compassionate and enforcing consistent boundaries. Yes. So I'm quite shocked, actually. It's not what I thought it was. No, and and that is the problem. Most people just think, yeah, hippie. gentle parenting. Hippie dippy. You just let your child do yeah. whatever they want. Yeah. No. We don't let our kids do whatever they want. We do focus on teaching them, you know, you have a choice in life, but these are the choices. Mm -hmm. And the choices are today, like Kira, when she was doing her potty training, I I said to her, I never said, Kira, do you need to pee? Yeah. Uh, Can we go pee in the toilet? Of course, she's going to say, no, I want to pee in the diaper. So what we did was, you have a choice. You pee in your underwear or you pee in the toilet. Mm-hmm. If you pee in the underwear, you're going to be sitting in that pee for 30 minutes or whatever. Like, we're trying to teach her, like, you don't want to choose that option, right? Yeah. So we're like, if you pee in there, you're going to be wet, and we can't, we don't have any extras. And she would be like, oh, yeah, okay, let me go to the bathroom then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she yeah, did yeah. once say, like, can I have a diaper? I'm like, we don't have diapers. So your options are you sit here and you sit in your pee because you've peed your panties, or we go to the bathroom. Yeah. And she's like, let's go to the bathroom. Yeah. They will make a choice. It's developing not theory the, of mind. So yeah. sometimes she makes the choice that it's not supposed to be the choice. And we let we follow through with it. We let her be. And guess what? After that, she's like, I don't really like that. Yeah, it's not yeah, like, yeah. It was yeah. very uncomfortable. So uh-huh. I'm just like, okay, good. And there's a lot of that. You know, I just think people just think, oh, you know, all you do is you don't discipline your kids. 
your children are allowed to because run wild. Because there are the parents out there that do that. Yes. There's the parents that are like, well, my kid doesn't go to school, we homeschool them. But if they don't feel like doing school that day, we don't do school that day with them. And, you know, we ask them what they want for dinner. And if they don't want to eat, then they don't have to eat or they don't need to eat their vegetables. Instead of teaching them why we eat vegetables and why these vegetables are important, they're just giving them all these options and that's what we think of soft parenting, this yeah. hippy-dippy. Yeah. They can be themselves and be whatever they want. No, they're three. They yeah. don't know. Yes. They don't know what they want. They don't understand what they want. You are a parent there to teach them. And you have to tell them, Yeah. you know, this is wrong, this is right, of course. My child went through all these things. And over here it says, things gentle parenting may control over include allowing your child to choose their own clothes. We allow her to. Mm-hmm. And we will let her walk in that all day, even if it looks terrible, okay? Um, we also let them regulate their own eating after first providing nutritionist food, okay? So that means we always give her vegetables chicken rice there's always something on her plate but we don't force her to eat it we used to and then we did the mistake of you know like she would eat her vegetables so we would be like okay so now you can have like something yummy after yeah and we read and was like shocked because they were like what you are telling your toddler is that what they're eating is bad is not tasty because you're rewarding it with something good afterwards. Right. If they're eating their vegetables and they decide they don't want to eat it, don't make a big deal. You're just like, okay, great, take it away, throw it away, whatever. Yes, I know, people are going to be like, they're starving children in Africa. Sorry, you know, we. these are the things that you need to do as a parent because... You don't want to shame them into eating their vegetables because you're telling them that it's a vegetable. Yes, no one likes to eat it, and so that's why you need to eat it. You want them to eat it out of curiosity. Yeah. So she loves broccoli. She's always loved it. She loves to dip it in. But we never made a big deal out of any vegetables. If she doesn't eat the vegetables, we'll always put it on her plate every single day until she tries it. Eventually she will. Children but I like that. that you're you're constantly putting it there for her to try yeah. and giving her the option. Some people just go, oh, they're a two-year-old. They don't want to eat vegetables. They're not going to like that. But it's never there as an option. Yeah. Like put, I like that you're we putting always it, put there. it there. But the problem is, is that, yes, we have to throw away some of it. She never used to eat cucumbers. Now she loves cucumbers. Their Parents. taste changes. And she will dip it and you know who But if you're going to put that. down something salty or sugary for them, they're going to choose that over the vegetables. But they say to never ever be like, oh, wow, you ate your vegetables, so now you can have the strawberry yogurt. I don't know what you're giving your child as a treat. They, they like, you know, it's vegetables. You don't need to reward them for eating yeah, vegetables. Yeah, it's, it should be normalized. Yes, it's a normal thing. Just leave it. And we made that mistake and we've learned from it. It's the same thing as like pocket money. We don't give her pocket money. She's three. But when we go out to, you saw yesterday, we go to the shop, we will say to her, you have two items you can choose from. Mm-hmm. I mean, not two items. You have two things you can buy. Anything in the shop, but two things, it's limited. And she remembers, so she will choose. Like now she will say, oh, um, I didn't buy at that last shop, but I want to buy this. So she got yesterday stickers and a stuffed toy. But she bought the stickers separately and she kept it because she wanted to go to the shop and see. And at the shop she did say, oh, but I like this one too. And I told her, but you bought something already and you Mm -hmm. only can buy two things. And this took a long time. Like every time we've gone to the shop, 
we, she doesn't get something every time, but sometimes we go out here to the night market, we'll be like, okay, you can have one item for the whole night. Yeah. So choose wisely. We never tell her, oh, uh, only at this shop or whatever. We, we will walk in and we'll say, remember, Kira, you can only choose one thing. So once you've chosen, if we go to somewhere else and you see something you like, you cannot have it. Yeah. And it's worked really well. You limit their thing. It's not to say like, oh, let them just be free. Just buy whatever you want. Right. I have this issue. I always buy things, not 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 just for her, for me too. Like I, I like to just take and put it in. I don't even look at the price. Um, but here they say things that gentle parents don't give children control over includes crossing the road, touching objects that don't belong to them, okay, fragile or other people's, and then complete free range over how they spend their day, especially if they are important appointments to attend okay so you know we plan things but these are the things that we don't give them Mm -hmm. you know free range of yeah 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 so yeah yeah, i just thought it's a good thing to talk about because i see a lot of people mostly actually people that don't have kids that are like gentle parenting (laughs) i was smacked I was hit. I was shattered. I was the same. And you know I had what? the same opinion. I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad thing. You can. If you if it works for you as a parent and smacking your child is good, it's great. I'm just talking about those parents, you know, like um, like me growing up. I would never have told my mom I was dating, you know, when I was older because my mom was so strict. And I just felt like I didn't have that relationship where I could go to my mom and be like, hey, I'm dating someone. I really like this boy. It was very much like... Your, what my parents say went, and if you go against it, you were a terrible child. Right, right, right. And yeah. I want my daughter to be able to come to me with anything. It doesn't, and I want her to know that I have respect for what she wants to do. If she has decisions she wants to do, and I think it's not great, I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't think it's good. I will tell her, well, if you think you want to do it, try it. Yeah. And then, of course, not like go jump out of the aeroplane and, you know. No, no, nothing ridiculous. Yes. No, and that's it. And I think it's good to have the comparisons between the two, like parents that do too much, parents that don't do enough. You know, it's hard to find a balance. And we're not here judging you. Oh, well, we kind of are, actually. If you're someone that does too much for your child that they're behind, then you yes. need to take the accountability and think, okay, what can I do to help my child? Because the ways I've been helping them are not helping them. Yes. And there are loads of parents that I've seen, um, you know, I think are great. I'm not saying I'm the best parent, but I'm saying I like little aspects of what they do. And I think, wow, that really works well. Or yes, I think I want to use it. And it's not gentle parenting. It's traditional parenting. And I think it's great. But there are so many times where I see things like they have never tried stuff because their parents are so worried about the outcome yeah like yeah, yeah you know yeah. someone trying to again sleep training and they're like but what if my child falls off the bed your child's gonna fall off the bed many times i'm sorry yeah I'm like just let them fall once they will never do it again yeah let them do let something them once kira was touching coil that's burning for the mosquitoes to keep the mosquitoes away we've asked her a few times not to touch it and eventually i was just like okay you know what i'm not going to tell you anymore i've told you once or like two times and i'm you know not going to repeat myself and she touched it and guess what huge blister and after that she now always tells me no 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 don't touch this yeah so she learned her lesson and i was watching a um a podcast this morning a diary of a ceo great podcast love it Mm. and he had a famous psychologist on there forgot her name but she just said that children all they actually need is to feel safe loved 
and significant. Mm. That is it. You know, all of this other stuff we think they need. No, they just need to feel safe, loved and significant. So if you can do that for your child, then I think you're doing a great job. Quest meets East. Mums that don't vaccinate their children or parents. I shouldn't just say mums, sorry. Parents that don't vaccinate their children. So this is very controversial because I always start off by telling moms when they tell me that they are anti-vaxxers, that I am pro-vaccination. I've always been pro-vaccination. I don't care. You can tell me all the facts. Mm-hmm. You can give me how many people got autism and all that. And for me, as a mom, I don't judge parents that don't vaccinate, okay? I'm happy you do your child. I do mine. I will vaccinate my children. I have not vaccinated Kira for COVID. She's never gotten a vaccination Mm -hmm. because we did lots of research. We are vaccinated. We just thought she don't need it. It's not necessary. And there's been proven like, okay, children don't need it until a certain point. So when she gets of the age that I think it's appropriate, I will do it. But, you know, vaccinations for children, babies... Do the vaccination. And we are going to go into that next week. And we are going to talk about that. But what we're going to discuss with the healthcare system, with the West West meets East, is here in Taiwan, they're very quick to go to the hospital. Yes. And it's not not even for anything big. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have a headache. Let's go to the hospital. And I think it's because we have one of the best healthcare systems in the world in Taiwan. I think it's ranked second or third. So it's very nice and... Yeah. easy to go people just like if you have a cough but it's easy to take advantage yes. of and they do that and i know loads of people that are like oh so and so sick gonna take them to the doctors again gonna go to the pediatrician again yes. and i get that like the fear i might be like that when i'm become a mom i'd be like oh, what's wrong it's not breathing it's not doing this it's not yeah. doing that you know i might freak out but there comes to a point where it's like i don't know i feel like in england we don't do that we we don't wrap our kids in cotton wool as much as they do here and we we won't just take them to the doctors about anything. It's like, give it two or three days, see if it clears up on its own. You know, there's signs, there's symptoms you have to be wary of, but not just always when your child has a cough do you so go... So we in South Africa are the same. We have uh-huh. private care and mm-hmm. it's really expensive. So when you go to the doctor, you pay for it and then you give it to your private care and they give you the money back, right? Right. And you will only go unless it's like really bad like we were there we didn't have private care my mom was like okay kira will go to the doctor and you won't go i was also ill she was like because you're not a baby babies needed more and she was 18 months at the time and she had a high high temperature and i realized oh we're so lucky in taiwan because if kira even had a runny nose i would be like okay let's go to the doctor and get some medicine and sort you but we're also parents like we want her to get sick because we really believe in building, a, building an immune the system. immune system. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, really yeah. believe now that we have had babies during COVID <clears> time, <throat> parents are so over the top with any sniffle or anything that they are so worried their child gets sick. And I've seen a lot with other parents, like when their child gets even a little bit sick, it's like, you know, something that when you were young, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Like you'd be like rubbing your nose and touching things. Um, they were like, oh no, we can't have a play date because my child has a runny nose. And I'm just like, it's fine. For yeah. Us. But yeah. if you're not comfortable it's with it, it's okay. It's the same like chicken pox when we were kids. Like it was put all the kids together that had chicken pox because you want your kids to get chicken pox at an early age. Because if yeah. you get it as an adult, it turns into shingles and it can be really serious. Yes. So, you know, it, 
I get that as well. But another thing that interests me here is some kids don't take um, conventional, I'd say like conventional medicine. They only go to the Chinese doctor. Yes. And I used to have to at school when I worked with younger children, you know, all the different sachets of powder. Mm. I used to have to do that. And some of them were daily. It was like their kid's not even sick, but it was like, oh, but this helps with this and this helps with that. And, you know, Chinese medicine is a massive thing here. Yeah, they really like that. And I, I don't know if it works for you and you believe in Chinese medicine, it's great. Um, mm. I think, you know, people take things for, it's like vitamins, right? People don't know vitamins, they probably do work. What I'm saying is people take them religiously. I take vitamins every day. But Chinese medicine for me just tastes too much like licorice and all the things that I don't like. Yes. And I'm just like, I can't, yeah. I can't see myself drinking And those poor kids, because it comes, if you're not from Asia and you've never uh, experienced Chinese medicine, it comes in these small sachets and then you put this dry powder in their mouth, almost like doing a cinnamon test. Yeah. You know, the cinnamon challenge where they put the cinnamon in their mouth. And then you don't want to suck it in in case you choke on the powder. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so terrible. I, I would say that that's something that is, different here with west meets east the you know they are very more nervous about healthcare yes here and going to the doctor straight away yeah and and you know what good for them i do want to say that we are under the impression of you know when you doing healthcare you think they're going to give you all the benefits but all the medicine that they're allowed to give you is usually free, right? Mm-hmm. And they won't give you anything that you need to pay extra. So with vaccinations, for, for my daughter, I just felt like there was a lot that we get in South Africa. There's one, like for the rotavirus, it's a, a drop. I had to ask for that. They weren't didn't give it to me. And I did tell all my Taiwanese friends to get it for their kids yeah. because I just thought it was something very necessary because I didn't have it as a child. And when I got the rotavirus, I was so, so ill. And I was just like, no one should go through this. And, and I was like, why don't you offer it? And they're like, because you have to pay. You have to pay. Yes, that's And I'm a just like, why here. are you not offering it to parents? They, yeah. It doesn't matter if you have to pay. Parents are happy to pay for it as long as they don't know that there's all but these extra things. But they just do that. You can hear a child in the background. She's just come back from getting ice cream. So she's very excited. So we're going to wrap up. But that's another thing here that in any healthcare, not just to do with children, if you go to the hospital here, they'll offer you the bare minimum because they assume you don't want to pay. Yes. And it's like, no, if there's a better option and I can pay, it's really not that expensive. Yeah. Even with- I will pay. Yes, even anesthetic, everything. Mm. My husband had an operation. They were like, would you like him to go under or be awake? I'm like, what? And he's like, the under is very expensive. And I was just like, well, what do you suggest? They're like, to be put under. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So why and would you offer me the diff, you know, the... the and then sometimes the, it, they say, like, it's very expensive. It's a thousand NT. And that's like 30 quid. And it's like, mate, that ain't expensive. I know, um, Maybe to but, some people it is. But, but no, but you know what? I'm just like, most people are happy to pay it, but they don't get given the option. So yeah. everyone in Taiwan always ask doctors, like, hey, I heard about this vaccination. Oh, hey, I'm having an operation. I heard that I don't have to be awake while yes. you're cutting my leg open. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Always check here. Okay, I think we need to end here. Um, but next week we will be talking about, like we said before, making choices for our kids. We'll also be talking about West Meets East beauty standards yes. within children as well yes. as adults. Um, so we're going to leave it there. So yes, thank you thank for listening, you everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.